Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is... Sergio Perez is from Mexico, in case you missed that on any of the commentary. That show title supplied by Mark Greenhow on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. Good evening, Matt. Uh, yes, you've got it right. Our clock's changed, and now it is pitch black outside at five o'clock in the afternoon. At least I gave you the most ever warning for our time change last year, uh, last week, which was, I think I gave you about an hour's warning. Oh, Matt, the show's starting later, by the way. Yes, it was. Uh, thankfully, everybody else in my timeline from your country had already complained bitterly about it. So I, I was pretty well aware, but I, I still yeah. recall those halcyon days where I would get these anxious WhatsApp messages and I'd be like, what do you mean? The show's not for an hour. And you're like, no, it's 10 minutes from now. Hurry up, you mad fool. Uh, last time out in uh, Cota for the Austin Grand Prix, we yep. sort of defended F1 a little bit from people who were saying, oh yeah, that, that race was just okay. And we were like, no, 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 no. You've got to scratch the surface. C- come with us. See if we can take you on a journey to explore the intricacies of the strategy and why that was genuinely a thriller uh, in the circuit of the Americas in Mexico. And it was. Yeah, it was, it was. I'm just saying that we might struggle a little bit more for the Mexico Grand Prix. Nonsense. As we kind of tend to do a little bit every year. I, I think on the surface, this was a, you know, this was a, it was a very typical olden days F1 race. You know, we used to get races all the time where at the beginning that was the main thing and then you're waiting to see if anything goes wrong. But these modern cars, they're bulletproof and nothing did. Uh, Well, loads of pit stops went wrong. That's certainly true. Well, that's true. Let's explore it all, but not before reminding you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. 
So with the with the most ham fosy panel in the Mist Apex Arsenal that I have to hand, let the postmortem uh, begin. We are joined by Nurburgring champion Brad Philpot. Hello, Brad. Are you feeling okay? Evening, Spanners. Yep, I had a great race. Really enjoyed every moment of it. <laughs> Can't li- wait to talk all about it. <laughs> you are liar. <laughs> You've done no- liar. You've done nothing but complain. But that's fine. I like hearing passionate opinions. And when a race doesn't do it for you, or a track doesn't do it for you, I think that's valid as well. Now, bear in mind, we will do a full analysis of perhaps why the Grand Prix didn't uh, spark in a in a segment later in the show. But I, th- I think it's fair to say you're not a fan of the track. Yeah, I mean, I'll go into it in more detail later. And I certainly do have things to talk about. Um, I'm looking forward to dissecting quite a lot of this race. But yeah, it wasn't one of my favourites. But I am one of the first people to to tell others off when they talk about boring races. Yes. And, and yeah, me too. Say that we have to, you know, we have to accept the, take the rough with the smooth and, and enjoy them for the strategic elements and all that kind of thing. So anyway, I, I will look forward yeah. to, to digging into this one and, and finding some kind of positivity. I, I think a slight spoiler will be, we know we know Mexico. We know Mexico and we saw a lot of this this coming and, uh, you know, we do do that with other tracks. Like we know Barcelona's flaws, we know Mexico's flaws, we know Monaco's flaws. Uh, but we are also joined by Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, my friend? It's going all right. It was a good, do you know what? It was one of those races where, okay, yeah, the race didn't spark and it wasn't the most exciting race of the season. But we actually did see a whole bunch of really great drives from people, but they all just kind of happened on their own and didn't get involved with anybody else. There were some really good performances about. So I'm looking forward to talking about that at least. And um, maybe having a go at a particular finished driver for not doing things that he probably should have done as a racing driver. Hey, Raikkonen finished in the points. What exactly are you on about? (laughs) He actually did a really good overtake today. I want to talk about that too. That might not be the one he was talking about, but I've got a bone to pick with you first, Alex Van Jean. As my, what have I done, what have you, I done now? You and me, when people go, Mom, Miss Dupex, they're a hand-focused podcast, they're idiots. It, um, it's mostly you and me they're talking about. And like, yep. I've kept the faith. I'm keeping the faith. You have completely flaked. You've completely grump, uh, crumbled. <laughs> you've given the title to Max Verstappen. And quite honestly, I'm not even sure we're friends anymore. I'm, I'm being a bit of a realist. Um, I do, I, the, from things that I know, Red Bull have been bringing upgrades every single race Merck haven't Red Bull have got faster and faster and faster Merck are just hanging on I mean if Lewis manages to somehow win this title it's an incredible achievement Um, but I think Red Bull just have the legs and Max just is fantastic so um, yeah I'm desperate for Lewis to win this title because it would be so good but the realist in me is a bit like mm, it's one hand on the title time. We'll, we'll chat, and I do agree. I do agree. One hand on the title time has come around, but it's four cup. If you're a Hamilton fan, it's four cup finals. It's four cup finals. You've got to win. It's like the old relegation struggles or or a title fight in football. Four matches, four wins. It's still in his hands, Alex. It's that case of I have the faith in Lewis. I think Lewis has the ability, but Mercedes have shown. I mean, even today they've shown that simple strategy stuff they still can't get right you know they brought lewis out i mean we're getting too far in already but they brought lewis out of the pits behind a ferrari i mean 
seriously, what are you doing? Okay, don't worry. I've got a plan, but first I will say this is your panel. It's Alex Van Jean. Go and follow him at Alex Van Jean. Brad Philpot at Brad Philpot on Twitter and Matt at MattPT55. Okay, I'm pretty sure I've got a plan here. Uh, we do want to talk about qualifying because it was a fascinating qualifying. And when the races don't kick off, it does give us an option to explore a lot of tap, uh, a lot of topics that kind of get left behind a little bit on quote-unquote more exciting <laughs> race reviews. So we will circle back, I think, but we do want to start with where the race was won and lost. All right, Matt. You know that I want to linger a little bit on the start but generally where was the race won and lost well if you ask me and you've just done that which was your first mistake um the start <laughs> was utterly <laughs> critical yeah this time round and in fact the only thing that might have been more critical is the atmosphere in mexico itself and now by that i don't mean the parties and the glorious colors i mean the actual thinness of the atmosphere because mercedes has always been a little bit behind the cooling eight ball yes and it may have in the race just affected their ability to be competitive in the slightest so it's not just here that we've seen them struggle with cooling singapore we've seen them like hacking bits out of their of their cooling pods so this is a known issue since the start of the hybrid era that if you do need to cool your engine and it's hard to do that Mercedes are at a disadvantage. Yeah, and it's an aerodynamic compromise. The more cooling you have, the worse, more draggy your arrow is. And it was noted by several people that they look to have pretty tight, um, pretty tight engine um, exhaust closures on relative to the atmosphere. So they may have been betting on aerodynamic efficiency over the ability to use their engine in unlimited fashion. And that Certainly, you know, we heard Hamilton at the end have that uh, car say it was hot. Said, uh, hey, Lewis, like, I'm a little hot. You think you can slow down for a bit, maybe? Like, like Kit, it, like the Kit car. Do you think that's yeah. what it is? Secretly, the Mercedes has been talking to Lewis all season. Uh, listen, Lewis, I am suffering from some overheating. Yeah, and, 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 and he, ra- he duly radioed that into Bono, and Bono was like, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Yep, we know. So, <laughs> Just Mexico. It's the best. Yeah. But... It- Alex? It was one of those races where it doesn't matter what Bono said to Lewis today. Nothing Bono could have said to Lewis would have changed the way Lewis was feeling or the way the race was going to go. Yeah. It was just a case of, Lewis, just just do what you do. Go and drive. I'll tell you when the car's a bit hot. I mean, you've got to cool it down a little bit. Otherwise, I won't talk to you. He even said at one point, are you guys are you still, there? Are you still there? Because like, they got no answers. They had no answers today. And that, and that was that was the biggest proof of Merck having absolutely no answer for Red Bull today. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think they were looking at the numbers and he was either on them or ahead of them. So they're like, well, you know, that's, this is just where we're going to be at this track with this configuration, with the compromise we have chosen. And Honestly, I, I know it's all doom and gloom, but really, if I'm Mercedes, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I've walked out of here with the minimal point loss possible between Lewis and Verstappen at a track that is rated to be Red Bull's best and our dead worst. And the only sadness I have, and this brings us back to the start nicely, is the fact that we managed to not get our friend Valtteri to finish in the points. Yeah, or or do... 
or do anything. Let's let's talk to this. Let's talk about the start. All right. So Matt has done a face of like, oh, gasp, how dare you? I've got nods from the other two. So it might be three versus one here. OK, let's uh, let's talk about the formation start. So the qualifying, which we'll get to put the the Mercedes up at the front. Yep. Yeah. Bizarrely, Brad. Not well, maybe not bizarrely. I don't know. I've never I've never coordinated two Formula One cars to block a faster car from behind. But you guys, and I say you guys, you and Alex, have have been teaching quite a lot about racecraft over the last six, seven years and about positioning. And it felt like by the time they got to the first corner, Bottas had this strong middle position as if he was defending against Lewis Hamilton. Like if you wanted to put Lewis in the worst possible position, you would hold a tight, slightly inside from the centre line till the last minute and then open up the line for yourself, leaving them that kind of Hamilton at Silverstone versus Max line. So, so Brad, I, I don't know what they would have discussed beforehand, but that didn't seem optimal. Okay, so there are a few elements to this, and I'm glad you've come to me first because I really want to talk about this. Go. But I just want to start off with the actual start, the initial start from the line. Both Mercedes got away pretty well, and at the point they got kind of a third of the way to turn one, I was thinking, okay, good. They've, they've done this. They've actually managed to keep Max behind. All they now need to do is position themselves side by side in a way yeah. that there isn't a clear gap for Max to just drive through. And then Max got this toe behind Bottas. And I was thinking, that's fine. Valtteri just needs to move two or three feet to the left so there's not a full car width for Max to drive yeah. through. He didn't. He, he drove in a way, kind of like you say, as if he was putting himself in a defensive position. But he would have been fine staying in that position with Max alongside him if he'd then break deep into turn one or even kind of squeezed him further to the left as he broke for turn one. But he had this other problem, which was that Lewis was alongside him on his right and he had a, it was in two minds. He didn't want to disadvantage Lewis too much either. And he kind of had to give up the, the place to Lewis at the apex of turn one, which wasn't ideal for anyone except for Max. He essentially just gave Max the perfect yeah. entry to turn one, which was just a dream scenario for him. Yeah, and, and obviously uh, Hamilton on the inside would not necessarily have known that Bottas was about to break early and completely give it up. So Hamilton's having to make compromises on the inside going, well, I don't want to smash into, into Bottas either, Matt. Well, so basically, if I understand you correctly, Brad, you're saying that Bottas should have driven into turn one kind of like Ricardo did, locking not- up and going deep to keep Max from uh no I'm saying it shouldn't have come anywhere near that situation all Valtteri had to do was the very simple move slightly to the left um movement you know you just need to do that early it was the that turn one was lost at the very initial moment Max got an overlap the moment Max was allowed an overlap all Valtteri could have done was squeeze him as tight as possible and try and outbreak him into turn one but if the plan was for Lewis to be ahead at the leading Mercedes into turn one, that was never going to work. And so you essentially had the Red Bull on the on the ideal line, the Mercedes that they wanted to be at the front on, on the, the worst, worst possible line, line yes. and Bottas kind of stuck in the middle, not knowing whether he should really defend from Max or let Lewis through. And as it happened, it just all went so wrong because he then slowed down so much. He even caught Ricardo up. It, it's just, I swear, Bottas 
doesn't want Lewis to win this title and he wants Max to win. Oh, here we we've go. Seen it, here we've we seen go. it. We've seen it so many times this year. I mean, listen, it's not, not the case, but we've seen it so many times this year where Valtteri just has to put up half of a defense <laughs> against Max to help his teammate win the title. And he's done nothing. And it was worse than actually what Brad's describing. He had Max coming up along the inside of him and he moved over compromising Lewis more to give Max more space than he even (laughs) actually needed. And then to make it even worse for Lewis, as Brad said before, he braked early. He should have just left it and hung it on the brakes and hung Max out to dry, but he didn't do that either. I've never heard Alex go that high pitch. I just, I I, I mean, I I need to have another drink of rum, to be honest. Just get yourself back down there. Get myself back down there. But yeah, it was just... I'm just flabbergasted this season. I mean, we've we've criticised um, Bottas before on his racecraft, but it's been worse this year. Yeah, his qualifying has been fantastic, but he's always been very good in qualifying. But this year in the race, in racecraft, he's just been even more terrible, and I'm furious with him. Weitzer van Bruggen in our chat is saying Toto wasn't happy with Bottas either, and, and I did hear that comment after the yeah, race. Yeah. And I think the mate, the biggest problem is that it's not like we're asking Bottas to do something spectacular. We're not asking him to do, uh, you know, amazing defence against Max Verstappen in a in a big wheel to wheel battle. We're asking him just to slightly move to the left on a straight. It's like the most basic possible defence when you're just going in a dead straight line. It's it's nothing. It's nothing difficult. And it's the thing, Matt, like they had the two cars. All they had to do, all they had to do was, you know, not leave a car's width in between them. They got a good start. They were pulling away. So they had this 2.9 car width barrier to deploy. And it just feels like it didn't get deployed. Yeah. And all right. So if I'm, if I'm Valtteri, probably my first job, as you say, was do not let Max get up the inside next to Lewis, because that's like sodium and water. It's just never going to end well if the two of them are next to each other going into the first turn. And then your second job is to try and keep Max from getting around you. And yeah, I understand, you know, like, oh, he could have moved over a little bit, but then he's probably also thinking, well, but then I'm moving in a braking zone and do I want to get into that? And as far as outbreaking Verstappen, well, yeah, I'm sure the first thing they said was, uh, well, you know, we don't want Max to get by. And the second thing they said, but under no circumstances should you hit him either, because can you imagine? What? Can you imagine if he if he really gone from the late break and there was some contact there? Can you imagine the <laughs> wait, disaster wait, wait. that would be? I literally don't have to. I watched the Hungarian Grand Prix where yeah, he just it, skittled. It, it, mm. it just like, so, I mean, I, I kind of feel for him a little bit. He was trying to thread a very, very narrow needle. Yeah, And he just got it the slightest bit wrong. And for his troubles, he got completely taken out of the entire race by Ricardo. Ooh, we'll get to that uh, next. But Brad, I'm wondering, is, it, is this the mentality that might have been going through Verstappen's head? And you've done many more competitive racing turn ones than me, which was, okay, I'm in this position with Max. I'm in the middle of a sandwich. Survive. All right, just pull up. Just survive. And then he looked, he, his second thought is, oh, but I definitely mustn't compromise Lewis. So he lifted even more. And then, okay, now I'll take the corner and try and make up the the, the 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 gap and close the gap. But I've forgotten completely about the McLaren and the other Red Bull behind me. Do you reckon that's a fair kind of process of what was going through his head once they got to the braking zone? 
Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I just think we know Bottas isn't the best wheel-to-wheel racer there is. He he often shows flashes of being fast, as he did in qualifying this weekend. He was really good over a single lap. But pretty much every time we see him in a wheel-to-wheel battle, he falters. I actually can't remember a good battle that Bottas, or a good fight Bottas has put up. Mm-hmm. And I think he had too much to think about. And he wasn't. it wasn't just a case of, do as well as you possibly can, Valtteri, to turn one. Because I think in that situation, if there was no Lewis championship fight on the cards, he probably would have braked deeper and tried yeah. to take the fight a bit more to Max. But because he was trying to think about too many things, he then decided, okay, once Lewis is through on my inside, I'll kind of cut back to the right, go deep and get a good exit to turn two and three. Yeah. But that then didn't really take into account the fact that Ricardo was steaming down the inside behind. So, And we can talk about whether or not Ricardo was out of control or whether he was just caught out by Bottas being so slow. But let's do that now. It went wrong, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, let's do that right now with this game. Whose fault is it? <laughs> Here at Miss Apex Podcast, we assign blame. We don't say there's a racing incident, not because racing incidents don't exist, but because it gives us a chance to explore not only racing rules, but what people should do or what you would do. What would you do from your armchair? What decision would you have made? So we like to talk about whose fault is it? I don't let them sit on the fence. They have to assign blame. Van Jean whose fault was that contact? I love Daniel Ricciardo. I am Uh-oh, that- very, very, I am very, very cold on the t- Valtteri Bottas. However, um, the fact that um, Ricciardo had a right front lockup as he hit Bottas and was on the curb oh. tells me he was well out of control and had no had no place being there. Oh, so unfortunately, right. however much I love Danny Rick, that was all his own doing. Oh my and the God. subsequent carnage that came afterwards. That's interesting. I didn't see that coming, actually. Does anyone disagree? So Brad, do you disagree? I, I kind of, I don't disagree, but I, I just want to give Ricardo's mindset as a bit of, um, a, a little bit of extenuating circumstances because I think Ricardo will have been approaching that corner, seeing the three cars ahead of him positioned as they were and assuming each of them would take turn one as they would if they were all fighting for their own race. But because Bottas checked up a bit more than he maybe expected and allowed Hamilton through in a way which probably wasn't that natural for someone in Bottas's position there, I think that caught Ricardo out. And so the cars that were at the apex were just going slower than he yeah. was than he was anticipating. So I still think it's Ricardo's fault, but I think what the the picture he had in front of him of those three cars entering turn one, he will have had a slightly different mental image of how they would have all taken the corner. And Bottas going that little bit slower than he expected is just what gave him a meter less room than he needed to make that work. Oh, okay. So, wow, you guys are way more sympathetic to uh, to Bottas than I thought it was going to be. So I'm putting this 100% on, on Valtteri Bottas because as you're... Oh, oh, Van Jean, don't look at me that way. So <laughs> as they were all coming... It's all right. I'm fine with you being wrong. It's fine. So, <laughs> it's a good line. Ah. It's a good line. It's a good zinger. Let's see if I can recover from that. So as they were all coming uh, down to the line... Actually, Ricardo's got a good start. He's challenging Perez. So he's getting in amongst it with those top four. He's on a run of form. He's really getting to grips with that McLaren. I would say really improving and challenging Lando Norris is a position that I would stick to. And as he's doing that, he's looking at Perez. He's judging his breaking point based on that and trying to get down the inside. Bottas, I will argue, has done something out of sequence, something 
extraordinary, Matt. I, this is what I think. I think he's done something different. He's pulled himself back from the battle with the front three and put himself unexpectedly and suddenly into the battle with the the guys behind. And not only done that, I think there was space for him to slot in behind Verstappen, but he doesn't. He he takes the best possible racing line to the apex, having slowed in a in a unexpected way. I don't think there's a great deal that, that Ricardo can do about that. I know Alex says, oh, he locked up, but perhaps he locked up because... Oh, look, he's backtracking now. He locked up because Bottas ahead of him did something unexpected. He's got an entire pedal to solve that problem oh. with, and it's called his brake pedal. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, Brad, how quickly can you adjust when something like that happens in front of you? Well, if you've committed to braking at the limit, then you can't adjust at all, and you're you're essentially at the mercy of the space which is remaining for you. And, and if you've yeah. committed to a braking point, which means that you would end up very close to the car behind at the apex, um, based on where you think they're going to brake and the speed you think they're going to be going, if you've done that on the limit and then they do something unexpectedly slowly, it, you, there's nothing you can do to change it. However, that is on you in some way. You know, the amount of margin you leave in your braking space at turn one for unexpected things to happen, which they sure. do, is partly on you. So I still I still think having watched that back a few times, Ricardo was he was already locked up before Bottas had kind of slowed down and tucked in. He was already going to be pretty close yeah. to the cars in front. I think if Bottas had gone in a bit quicker, he would have just Ricardo would have just missed him. So he was unlucky that Bottas slowed quite as much as he did, that's all. Okay, Matt, in our live chat, uh, Bruce from Australia says, I blame Bottas too, completely unbiased. Uh, Bruce agrees with him. Uh, Brucey also seems to disagree and is blaming Bottas as well. So all the Australians in our live chat definitely blaming Bottas for that. My closing argument, I think, would be whose actions caused the crash where if you didn't do that thing, there wouldn't have been a, a contact. So that's why I would blame Bottas. I can understand that, but really it's on Ricardo to avoid that. And especially turn one in Mexico at the end of a long run, full tanks, cold tires. You just, you just have to be slightly sensible. It's as simple as he was locked up. If you're locked up, you're out of control. And if you hit anybody, it's your fault. I don't agree with that. Someone can cause you to lock up. Ah, oh, fine. Okay. But so- no one caused him to lock up. He was on the inside with a clear move. The reason he locked up was he was on the very, very dirty, very, very dusty side of the circuit, which he would have known about. So that's not an excuse. And he locked up. And he knew it was happening. He knew it was coming. That's why he was so much on the curb, because he was trying to avoid it and get out of the way, but he couldn't. Your inside is dusty and dirty. Okay, fine. I just wasn't expecting that much resistance on that. That's why this segment's taken longer than I thought. I thought we were all going to blame Bottas. No. Because we're all sensible. Fine. Fine. Uh, Email feedback at mistapex.net to tell me why why I was right about that. Uh, Matt, who else did we lose in the start before we carry on with uh, one and last? We lost Sonoda, who uh, went up a lot. And, and, And Schumacher, both testing the Alpine's front suspension to its utmost. Ah, were they the two that went either side of, of Ocon? Yeah. Right. So Ocon got sandwiched. Didn't seem like there was a lot he could do. Uh, so who, who, Schumacher was the other one. And then and Sonoda was the one that launched. Yeah. Okay. And so they, they're the two we lost. We Ocon stayed in the race, I think. But yeah, that, that, that combined with the fact that we lost so many. I'll just kind of have a quick rant on this. That combined with the fact that we lost so many people from the midfield as well, from engine penalties and grid penalties in a... 
in a system that I think was designed for probably 18, 19 races, and we've now got 42 races on the calendar, including 42 sprint races, and we're still saying three power units, three of this, three of that. We've now just got to the point where every single team has fallen foul of those grid penalties, so what's the point? Let's add one. The races have increased. Let's add one. Or do we say, well... Go away and uh, this is more of a new show topic. Go away and spend way more money making the cars more reliable somehow within the cost cap. It's just for me, from a sporting point of view, in a race that is always a bit bereft of action, you know, you could have fallen back to the midfield and midfield battles, but all those midfield battles were kind of destroyed by that. We lost a few midfield people in the melee at the front, and that just it just killed the midfield. Great, what are we going to do? Watch George Russell go back down the field a little bit. Sorry, Van Gene, then Trumpets. We had such an opportunity as well because I'm so gutted Sonoda got taken out. I mean, the air that kid oh, yeah. got. I mean, his back must really hurt because he got some serious air. Um, I mean, puts um, uh, who was it that went airborne at Monaco? Um, Kobayashi puts that to shame. Um, but yeah, the problem with Yuki, I'm sad because Yuki was driving really, really well this weekend. Obviously, he knew he had all the penalties. He did really well in qualifying. And he could have been a real trigger point for this race where he could have actually got involved in decent battles. And we were robbed so early of that. Um, and obviously we were robbed of, of the Haas, which of course would have, co- would have had, which would have of course yeah. had a wonderful race of doing lots of overtake. Matt. So I, I want to talk about that a little bit more in championship math, if we can. We oh, can okay. That, that's to a topic that. coming up later. I will. I will put that. What do you want me to add to the notes in title uh, maths? Just the Tsunoda being out right at the start because yep. Alpha Tari had a really good car. Okay, noted. It's noted. But you've left out the most important thing that happened at the start as a result of of Botas getting turned around by Ricardo. Well, there that does sound like me. Okay, tell me. And that would be Perez being forced into the runoff area, having to cut all of the corners, coming out next to Verstappen, and having therefore to yield every position in front of him, including Hamilton. And I'm slightly more than halfway convinced he had a decent enough run that that he might have given Hamilton some problem on the way down to turn four, especially if he'd gotten good traction out of there. And instead, he was battling with Gasly to not lose that position yeah. because of his off. So it, it it's a not inconsiderable thing that he had to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, he did do that. I think he was desperately trying to avoid Bottas and actually thought yeah. that he had hit Bottas. And when he rejoined after turn two, so turn three. Yeah. He actually had enough momentum to overtake Hamilton. And I, I just... I, but no, Verstappen. He came out right oh, beside right, Verstappen okay. so, because so, that's such yeah. a great shortcut. That's like yeah. an Alonso kind of shortcut. So he lifted and then was like calculating, right, where was I? Well, I was ahead of Gasly, but I was behind Hamilton probably and, and let those two by and then held off Gasly, who probably at this point in the season, earlier in the season, you'd think that Gasly would take a punt up there. I think that would have made him very unpopular. You didn't want Horner talking about... Oh, we, oh well, Perez got gasly. Not after yesterday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think both of the uh, Alpha Powerys <laughs> are like, oh yeah, no, oh, we got in trouble yesterday. Anyway, so uh, let's move on though. Uh, as the race settles down, uh, we will talk about uh, the title maths and we'll go back to qualifying. But but where was the race won and lost from there, Matt? Well, it it, it really all came down to Perez. I, I know the bad thing about shows like this, and this has happened to us multiple times, is that. Verstappen drove a phenomenally brilliant race, mostly fault-free, and he was just 
miles ahead. So there's not a lot to say other than he did his job and he did it excellently. But the problem for Mercedes and for Hamilton is that they were not catching Verstappen. They were losing pace, yeah. but they were getting caught in, into the laps, into the 20s by Perez. And this presented sort of the same kind of issue we saw them have at Circuit of the Americas with Verstappen, which is there is an undercut. It is fairly popular. You know, we've seen it's at least worth three seconds. So how, how many laps do you dare go? before Perez tries to undercut you and take that position away. So but before we settle into uh, talking about that Perez-Hamilton battle, I think we need to get out of the way that, that Max Verstappen absolutely dominated this race, Alex. And, and I, I, I don't know, like you see a very capable driver in the hands of the Red Bull in the form of Sergio Perez, who, by the way, I feel like the worst uh, Perez fan in the world. I didn't know his full name until, well, I'll get to that later, but it's not. it's like Sergio Perez... Oh, I don't. I don't want to say Gonzalez because that just sounds like I've. <laughs> but I've, yeah. I've learned. That, I'll, I'll, I'll save you. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But I've learned that the the second name is the most important one in Mexican names. So we'll come back that uh, to that later. But you can you can see that in the hands of a very capable driver. Yes, there's the slight caveat that he had Verstappen's broken wing or whatever came with that. Uh, that that Red Bull is good, but Verstappen made it look extraordinary he made it look like a 2013 red bull he made it look like a early 2000s ferrari this was something quite extraordinary the interesting thing with regards to the red bull was um they were talking to adrian newey on the grid and the reason they said that they had an issue in qualifying was once they got to those q3 pace laps it went past the tolerances of their rear wing and that's why they were having the issues and that's what cost them pole but obviously at race speeds where there's more weight on the car it was it was able to cope better which is what gave them the pace um the quality from max today is what we would have said when lewis was leading a race it was said it was schumacher-esque this was lewis hamilton this was lewis hamilton-esque in the way that he just led from the front commanded it. it was actually more of a sebastian vettel win yes than a than a than a lewis hamilton win to be honest he just instantly pulled out a three second gap and then was there was a stage of the race where he was half a second a lap quicker than lewis when was the last time anyone has been half a second a lap quicker than lewis hamilton so so i i i give i give max such massive praise because he was on it he managed it perfectly yeah he had the best car on the grid today without a shadow of a doubt but it's what you do with it because Perez also had the best car on the grid today and didn't beat the Mercedes that Max destroyed. Dodgy, really. So, well, okay. well, well, yeah, so sure. yeah. well done, Max Verstappen. So uh, the point there about how, how, how a driver with a dominant car behaves is really interesting because if you see, you know, different drivers had different approaches and tactics, we have talked about it on here before, Vettel would go with that dominant car, he would go and get himself a, a, a pit stop gap and then sit there. Schumacher really confident about the just the quality of that car would just disappear and do like oh i'll just lap you 10 times that's fine hamilton has never really done that hamilton has and mercedes have always had this thing of right okay we do have the fastest car so we'll go to five seconds we'll feel safe we'll protect from the undercut but we don't want to use more tires than we need to verstappen doesn't seem to have that in his arsenal so i'm i'm interested alex if you think that is the right approach as Verstappen tries to bring this title home, 
if he has a slight car advantage, it might not be as big as the car advantage he had in Mexico for the rest of the year. Do we like that approach of just go get a 19 second gap in the end? Or, or is there races where he's got to be smart and go, okay, well, I'll sit at five seconds like Hamilton does? I said during the race, where's um, Red Bull's poor reliability gone? And do you think that could be part of the reason they like to get a gap? Because often Red Bull have an issue during the race. It doesn't necessarily stop the car, but it slows the car down. So maybe it's that case of let's just get as far ahead as we can before something breaks and we need to slow down <laughs> a lot. That could be the case. Like when they had oh, no, the alternator issues used, used to kill them, didn't it? But, um, you know, when they used to have the curves issues back in the day that used to slow them down, maybe it's just a case of let's just get as far ahead as we can. And if the car's got a problem, we've got a gap to manage. Um, but I also just think Max just goes maximum attack. Get on with it. Maybe Brad, you're, you're a super Max fan. <laughs> yes. Okay, look, he is doing something getting the maximum out of that car this season. It's hard to point to a, a race where he didn't get the maximum out of the vehicle and didn't look good, whatever the result. I fully appreciate Max Verstappen is um, an incredible driver and is one of basically two drivers on the face of it in this kind of top tier of current Formula One drivers. Um, although there may be there may be others in machinery that, um, that yeah, isn't capable of showing hidden, it yeah. that might be doing a similar job. I'm looking at people like Norris, maybe Russell. We'll find out hopefully soon. But in in the competitive cars, there's obviously only two that are on this top yeah. draw level. And I fully appreciate Max as a as an excellent driver. I I'm as you know, I'm not a very big Max Verstappen fan as a person. Um, so I'll just leave it there. Okay, trumpets. Well, the thing that you have to take your hat off to, uh, to any driver in that situation, um, and is the relentless consistency with which he dispatched whatever it is the team told him to do. Because, you know, there's uh, always a delta on that dashboard. They're telling you, hit this number, hit this number, tell us about the tires, do this, do that. And, you know, maybe he was pushing hard. But I'm not convinced he was doing anything more than the team had had plotted for. Okay. During the first stint, and I think it was really, um, and this maybe ties into the Botas slow pit stop. I think Mercedes brake cooling might have been a little tiny bit off, and it was giving them issues uh, with uh, overheating the tires, especially later in that first stint when you got the the fuel tanks are as full as they're going to be. And it just kept Lewis from being able to run the same lap times or even to just drop back to maybe four or five seconds, mm. have some clear air, and then do that thing where he likes to close back up near where he thinks everything is going to be, yeah. near where they think the pit stops are going to be. We're just not used to seeing a race car go out the front and go as fast as possible because we've had years of Lewis Hamilton's tactic of staying for, you know, three, four, five seconds ahead and managing that gap or Bottas going ahead and being two seconds ahead of Hamilton and Hamilton stalking from behind. So look, maybe we are, we are just seeing the Red Bull way. We've not really seen them in this kind of position since 2013, but the, the mentality hasn't changed. Go as fast as possible, go as hard as possible for as long as possible. And you know what? So far... They're, they're, they're a point behind in the constructors and, uh, oh, what, some 20 points ahead? 19. 19 points ahead in the. So it's working. It's working because so far. Because of Botas. 
thank you very much for getting that fast lap. Yeah, because of, well, oh, okay, so now, okay, we're giving Bottas that credit. But Matt, I think uh, one lost really as well comes down to Hamilton versus Perez. Those three points could be absolutely vital. Um, so that, that second place, that battle, staying ahead of Perez and Perez's efforts to get ahead of Lewis Hamilton on, on a track that is incredibly hard to overtake on, on a track that was giving us a guaranteed normal one-stop strategy. I mean, that, that was the battle of the race in many ways. Yeah, it was, which brings us back to lap 29, which is where the Mercedes strategist said, we cannot possibly take this any longer. Perez is less than two seconds behind us. Uh, we're going to bring you in and give you a set of hard tires, and you're going to go out and wreak havoc on the field. And it really was a great idea until, well, Charles Leclerc got in front of him for the whole first lap. Yeah, and I think this is where your frustration came in in the intro, Alex, where you were like, wow, you know, even with these little things. To start with, I don't really understand the... Okay, so they were fending off the the Perez undercut. And this is where we're really bad at fans, because as, as fans. Because I think I'd said to you or in the Slack group, I've gone, for, if they don't blink in undercut the Red Bulls in this race, if they don't pull the trigger in this race of all the races, I'm going to be really upset. And then as soon as they pit to fend off the, the undercut, <laughs> I was like, well, why have they done that? Why have they done that? About 15 seconds before Lewis pitted, I tweeted Mercedes and said, oh, yeah. do not let Perez undercut you. <laughs> oh, that's why. And then they pit- Look at what and, happened. Yeah, hang on. And then they pitted him, and then Leclerc came out ahead of him, and I'm like, no, too early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, man. I was just like, because I could just see that happening, because Mercedes are so lax when it comes to the undercut. I just saw Red Bull undercutting them, getting Perez, because they were going to as well. If Lewis hadn't have pitted that lap, they would have pitted Perez and that would have been it for Lewis and he yeah. would have been third. So they got the call right in the end, but yeah. geez, did they cut it close. So we are saying that that's a, a, a good Mercedes call though, because we've been very critical about their, their and, and, when, and I've been very critical about being reactive rather than proactive, Alex. That was proactive. Was it a good call or was it the only call? I don't know. I normally ask my... I don't think Red Bull, not sorry, I don't think Mercedes could have done anything else. That was literally their only thing that they could have done and anything else would have been wrong. Because um, as we saw, if they'd left it another lap, Perez would have put it. Uh, this was, uh, after that though, Brad, this is a, a classic kind of situation where we see a driver out on fresher tyres, but then that advantage kind of disappears as they get closer i i i actually didn't think like that hamilton was a, a threat really at any point as dramatic as you know the the coverage had to make it no and i i felt the same in fact i i felt it very strongly it was part of my kind of general negativity in our whatsapp chat was that <laughs> it i actually part of me wanted perez to get really close and attack and maybe even beat hamilton because at least there would be something exciting happen uh, but I had no hope that it was actually going to happen because the moment you get anywhere near a car in front around this track, as we saw through the whole race, you're just stuck at arm's length. And you just, even with a, a much faster car, whether it's from tires or just the car being quicker, um, you, you really struggle to make a decisive pass. Um, so so I, I didn't really have much hope. And once it plateaued, I lost all hope. And, uh, and I was kind of yeah. just looking at my phone at that point, chatting. So actually... 
you know, we were saying you're defending the excitingness of this race. My boy's been so into F1 all of this season, I completely lost him. Even in the first in, I just completely lost him because there was nothing happening on track. He ended up, ended up playing words with friends with my wife instead of watching oh, F1. I was, I was furious. I said to my wife, well, why did you let him have extra screen time at like eight o'clock at night or whatever? And she just went, nothing was happening. She said, nothing was happening. And he whispered to her, apparently, I don't want to watch this race anymore. Heartbroken. Absolutely gutted. And also, he's better at words with friends than me. And that's more practice. And I'm going to keep losing. You will. You're going to just continue losing to the kids more and more. Let me tell you. Oh, I don't want that to be the case. I know. But let's not overlook the fact that on those fresh tires once and happily enough for mercedes leclerc pitted at the end of his outlap he ran some pretty fast times times fast enough to make verstappen pit i think a little bit earlier than planned and when he came back out he'd cut i think what was about a 10 or 11 second lead going into the pits down to seven seconds. It was not an insignificant move by Mercedes, and it wasn't insignificant lap times by Hamilton. They put as much pressure on as they could. But the amazing thing, really, was that Red Bull was like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. We'll just let Sergio circulate for another 11 laps, and then we're going to bring the heat. Yeah, but I feel like they missed a little trick. But tell tell me if I'm wrong here, Matt. I felt like they missed a trick. One of the frustrations I've had as a a Perez fan is that, obviously, he had like eight races in a row where he was nowhere, but this is the fourth race in a row where he's had pace and he has been able to be up there and fighting. I don't think he's in the same car as as Max, but he's, he's there. He's able to be part of the mix in the way that we've been talking about how he should be in the mix, but he's not been able to use his biggest strength, which is run long this is the first time all season we've seen him in contention being allowed to run long so they saw hamilton going in he they ran long and his pace he'd clearly been holding some of that back or 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 being kind to his tires and he was like no these tires have come back they're fine they're just getting good that was lap 37 which and i I really think that all season long perez has been putting fresh tires back at the pit, pit stop you know he's been pitting they take those tires off Perez and just put them back in circulation. They are fine. They're like, you know, on eBay as, a, you know, barely used, excellent condition, one careful owner. This is the first time we've seen him be able to use that advantage, that skill. And then they put him on hards and they go, well, he probably could have got another 10 laps and put softs on and had a real charge. I don't know. Did they miss a trick? I don't know that they missed a trick uh, because, again, as we discussed with just the nature of the track, you give yourself the best advantage you think you can have. And they felt like the end of the race, Lewis would be vulnerable on very old tires. I don't think they were wrong. And we'll get to that in the last critical point of the race. Mm-hmm. But um, you were correct in that it allowed Sergio to drive to his strengths for probably the first time this season. And it was, it was it made for a fun end of the race, a very exciting end of the race, or, or I should say tense, maybe not exciting. Okay, right. We got to the end of the race, Brad, and this leads us into the title maths. It suddenly became very important who was going to get that final point. And the attempts to get 
Bottas that that final lap, that fastest lap. It, it seemed like a shoe in, but it didn't quite go. It all seemed a bit bit muddled. Yeah, I didn't quite see what was happening there. It was like so he was released from the pits on fresh softs, then had to unlap himself. And we know that the softs are, um, in terms of temperature, very fragile. I actually don't think the tires were were really wearing massively here at all on any of the compounds, but the softs would get too hot very quickly. Um, and so he kind of lost his attempt because by the time he'd then got past Verstappen, he'd done too many laps or had to push too hard. They were too hot to get the fastest lap. Um, and then he had to come in again and get another set um, and then try again, which and ultimately he was successful. But um, but yeah, it looked like a bit of a mess. And Verstappen didn't look like he was 100% sure what was going on with this Mercedes <laughs> unlapping himself and then letting him back through. It was all a bit, a if, bit of a if mess. If you're Verstappen and the lapped Bottas on soft tyres has pitted to be in front of you on fast tyres and then unlaps himself and then is in your way, you've got to start thinking, hang on, hang on a minute. I still remember Hungara ring. My memory's not so short. You, you must be thinking at some point in your head, are they doing this to, are they trying to throw me off? I've had a very similar thing in some sim racing where I've had someone come out of the pits in front of me and I've been thinking, hang on, is this per- did I do something to this person earlier in the race? Are they are they just going to now take me out? I know it's been completely innocent. I've <laughs> just had a just had a pit stop for for whatever reason. But yeah, you do start wondering that kind of thing. Um, but I don't think Bottas is going to get deliberately involved in nefarious um, yeah. tactics like that. I just think he'll do it through incompetence, like at Hungary. Yeah, because he's definitely not because he wants Max to win the championship. That's You're why he let him pass the turn one. Beat that drum! You don't mean that. <laughs> Email. I love. A, I I do love a controversy. I don't believe it, but it's funny. To but think just about. Alex Van Jean and just not me, please. Although I, yeah, I agree. He's not exactly. Uh, he's he's not exactly. You know, real. I don't. I, people call him the ultimate wingman. I don't think we've seen that this year. Uh, Matt, before we go on to the title maths, though, uh, you raised an excellent point with me earlier in the day, which was actually Hamilton may have had a bit of help and assistance holding on to that second place. Uh, indeed, traffic giveth and traffic taketh away. And as much as he was stuck behind Norris and just burning up his tires, when the critical moment came around lap 65, he he uh, ran up the back of George Russell. And since he wasn't Botas, instead of taking him out, um, he actually let him go and then uh, very cleverly just made it that slightly much more difficult for Perez to get round him. Uh, and it cost, I mean, Perez was well inside DRS on Hamilton at that point, and it cost him easily a full second. I mean, the gap went back out to two seconds and stayed there for a couple of laps while he um, recharged his battery and cooled his tires down for his final push to get that place. So interesting dynamic. And I, I think that Williams are fully on board, and especially George Russell. They would do those little things to help. So if you remember Monaco uh, 2018, I think, fighting the Ferraris, Esteban Ocon was in the way of Hamilton coming out of the pits. And, the, and you saw Toto Wolff like, going over to Force India, or it wasn't Racing Point then, it was Force India, I think. You know, And there was a little word, and then Ocon jumps out of the way. So it's an interesting relationship between the customer teams, because you would think Mercedes have got Aston Martin, McLaren, and Williams whereas Red Bull have got the Alpha Tauris. Now, the difference is the Alpha Tauris are absolutely dedicated stormtroopers. They will do whatever they are told. And I don't know if anyone spotted it on Martin Brundle's grid walk, but you saw 
Helmut Marco having a full intense chat with Gasly, followed by a handshake, and you you think that somewhere in that conversation was, yeah, yeah, don't get involved. This is not your scrap. This is not the time to punt it up the inside of Perez. I know you're a good driver. I I love you. I adore you. You know, here's a gift basket, and then they shake hands. McLaren don't have that relationship with Mercedes. Am I wrong? Mercedes McLaren are never going to yield or pull over. They're not that kind of customer team. But I think Williams might be Alex. Well, McLaren proved that twice today. They proved that with Lando definitely not getting out of the way when he was being lapped and sticking strictly to the 1.3 second rule of, I haven't got any blue flags, so I'm not yeah. getting out of the way. And Danny Ricciardo defending from Bottas. I mean, I cannot believe 40 laps. Bottas could not get past Daniel Ricciardo. I was screaming. I'm, I'm so angry at Bottas this race. He did nothing right. Not a single thing. Right. He, I mean, he even made a hash. I, I know we've spoken about it, but he made a hash, even a fastest lap on yeah. low fuel on soft tires. Williams will jump out of the way yeah. for Mercedes, especially George Russell, because... Well, he's going to be in that seat next year, and he wants Lewis to be his best friend going into, or next at least season. Toto. But it's okay. Well, it's you and me chatting, Alex. Like we can go into our little hamfosy corner. I wouldn't say go for it. I wouldn't have this conversation with 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 Brad and Matt. But it's just you and me. I was so angry with Bottas for messing up the start, and I felt like it was his fault for the Ricardo contact as well. As they kept showing the shots of him trying to overtake Ricardo, in my head I was like, "Yeah, you look at that that." McLaren gearbox. Yeah, you soak that in. That's your penance. That's that's what you get. That's what you get <laughs> from messing up the start. You sit there and you... And then when he had the, the pit stop where it went wrong, I did the same thing. And then I was instantly ashamed of myself. But I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you get that pit stop. I, I, I was very upset. <laughs> I was peed off with Bottas for the whole race. Um, and listen, I'm not naive enough to think that Lewis... Even if Bottas, even yeah, if yes, Lewis had course, got the lead yeah. at turn one, that Bottas, that Lewis could have won this race today. There was nothing stopping Max Verstappen winning this race. Max would have got past him on track or done it in the pit stops. Max had this race in the bag, mm. but it would have been more fun. <laughs> oh, I mean, would been, we would have yeah. had such more of a fun race if Max had to fight Lewis. It, you know, even the fact that Max had the faster car and Max was the faster driver today, we would have had much more fun. And Bottas ruined my fun. Let's talk about some title maths. Numbers are hard. Numbers are hard, Matt. Uh, they are. And I, I love the fact that everyone has just been so Bottas this and Bottas that. I know. Blah, 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 I know blah, I'm blah. wrong. I know I'm wrong. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm just going to say that had he not gotten fast lap, the mm-hmm. constructors, I believe, would be tied right now. It would be. It would be. Brad? Yeah, but I mean, he was only in that position because he was losing them a bucket load of points yeah, for not yeah, getting yeah. in the points. Like, so it yeah. doesn't really now, fly. Now, he, now I, ha- I do have an issue because he was not out of the points due to his own poor driving, unless you're going to blame him for getting hit by Ricardo, oh, well, which on. I believe you've already not yeah, done. I'm blaming him. But for... he was there because his pit stop took at least the amount of time it normally takes for a Friday night pizza to get delivered to my apartment when we order uh, delivery. I mean, I am blaming him for the thing with Ricardo because even though the actual contact was Ricardo's fault, the fact that he wasn't ahead of Verstappen into turn one was entirely his fault through just letting him pass on the straight. So it, it was Bottas's fault that Mercedes lost a load of points from Bottas not scoring. Like that, that in my mind, that's just a given. He should have been fourth at a minimum. Yeah, and and we we can't forget that in this title running, as soon as Bottas was out of the running from that. It was essentially three on one, in effect. Do you know what I mean? Like they could have, they could, Gasly could have been involved. It turns out, you know, he wasn't. Uh, if Verstappen had had less pace and was defending more, they could have been sucked back more into the Perez Gasly thing. As it turns out, Verstappen was dominant. But you know, there, there are going to be other tracks where Sonoda and Gasly can get fully involved, and in a way that you know the Williams are not going to, then the McLarens are not going to help. So you could in this title running, be four on one in a lot of the races, man. And I just, pff, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can talk about the secondary teams, but, but to me, that fast lap was critical because Mercedes has walked out of here ahead of, in at least one of the championships. Again, from the weakest track, if you imagine nightmare Mercedes scenarios, Hamilton finishing second, minimal point loss to Verstappen, still ahead in the constructors, going to some tracks that might suit them a bit more. Well, you know, I think they're going to be kind of happy with that, if I'm honest. Okay, I want to turn to my my ex-Hamfosi here on the panel. Brad, Alex, who've completely lost faith, the title running. I haven't lost faith. It's four cup finals, Interlagos. Ah, it's a, ooh, that's a Hamilton hotbed. We've seen glory there. A couple of unknown tracks, and then Abu Dhabi, last of the late breakers, to to really kind of seal that final Hamilton victory. But you guys I... have lost. You've completely lost faith. Here we go. Hang on. Let, let's see. You're both dying to get in. Alex, four races. Hamilton goes and wins them all. He's world champion. It's in his hands. Why have you crumbled so? I disagree on Brazil being a hotbed for Lewis. I think he's only ever won there twice. Um, but what and, wins? 
Huh? And in 2012, he would have won if Hulkenberg hadn't chinned him. This is also this is also true. But it, to be fair, it's never been the happiest of hunting grounds for Lewis. Apart from you know he he, he you know 2008 was an interesting one. He didn't actually do very well in that race, but somehow managed to claw the championship. Yeah, that's a good point. But <laughs> Red Bull Red Bull do very well at Brazil. Again, it's another high altitude circuit, which is which is good for their car, poor for Mercedes cooling and different things like that. Um, however, it's Brazil, so high chance of rain. Um, yeah. And if there's rain, it, all bets are off because it could be Lewis or Max for that track. Go on, Brad, I think you want to say something. I, I just feel like in, in all situations, I, I'm going to put my money on the Verstappen Red Bull package. I think if it's wet, that tends to favour Red Bull a lot of the time. I think if there's corners on the track, oh, it tends to favor Red Bull. And, and I do think Verstappen is particularly strong at Brazil. He's on a confidence high. He won Abu Dhabi last year, didn't he, as well? The car obviously worked quite well there. And that was before the Red Bull was much closer or ahead of the Mercedes. I feel like the other couple of tracks that are a bit of unknowns are going to be quite twisty. And I don't know. I, you're, you're right, Spanners. I have lost all faith. I, I'm fully, I've got lots of faith in Hamilton doing a great job and extracting the maximum that is possible to get from that car. But I just think Verstappen will be doing the same and he's got a quicker car and he's going to just win on the running. I, I don't want to be the, the naysayer here. and I'll be super happy to be proven wrong. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be celebrating as much as anyone. No, no you don't get to. Be a good comeback. No, 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 no. You're, you're gone. The, the term that I've heard used this weekend, and I totally agree with it, is the Red Bull has a much wider setup window than the Merc does. When the Merc gets in its sweet spot, it's almost unbeatable, but it's really, really difficult to get the Merc in that sweet spot. At the moment. Where they talked about the car being a diva a few years ago, I think it's even worse this year. Um, and I think, the, I think the Red Bull is just much easier to set up. And it's not even like we've seen in previous years where Merc have tracks where they just dominate and destroy everything. Merc haven't had a one-two this season. That shows how little ability Mercedes have to absolutely nail it. You know, we have no idea how they're going to do in Qatar. We have no idea how they're going to do in Saudi. People could look at a trap map and say, yes, it's a Merck favorite circuit. We have no idea what that cir- those circuits are going to be like for those cars. Has anyone had a one-two this season? McLaren. Oh, get out. Are they the only <laughs> team that's had a one-two this season? Yeah, oh, that's a pretty McLaren. amazing. That's a pretty amazing stat. <laughs> there we go. Well, I think um, you know this season the lack of the one-two can show that you know we've got two great teams with two absolutely top of their game drivers established in that team, and we've got Red Bull with a a new addition to that team that's taken a while to get up and running, and then we have I think Bottas in potentially his worst season for for Mercedes in nearly every area. So that that might go to explain the one-two uh, lack. I wouldn't put that all on. On Mercedes, I think I think Botas is showing you exactly how difficult the rules change made it for Mercedes. Mm. That car is much more difficult to drive, and and I think uh, is correct in some ways in having a much narrower setup window. And you're going to hate me for saying this, but especially with regards to how they use the tires, because they lost um, a lot more with the rear floor cut than Red Bull did, just in terms of how the diffuser works. And I think, in addition, being hampered by spending so much time trying to get their 2022 car right, 
they they bet on the car being better than it was. They've bodged it together as best they can. But what you're really seeing is that top marginal difference between Hamilton as a driver and Bottas as a driver. If this was last year's Mercedes, you wouldn't be seeing these massive performance gaps at races that you're seeing this year. Just a tiny stat when talking about one twos reminded to me by Zach in the chat, which oh. is um, that Red Bull would have had a one two at Baku if it wasn't for Max's title. All right. Well, this is going to get me emails, but I don't think I even said this at the time. But look, no, I did. They had a warning. Stroll's tyre blew. Out of the two Red Bulls, they decided to stay out, and the guy who's kinder on his tyres didn't have the blowout. So that's a Red Bull. That, I think that's a Red Bull error. I still put that down uh, to a Red Bull. It is a Red Bull error, but they would they were in the position to have a one-two. Oh. And, and they blew it. Oh, well, if wishes were kisses. Mm. You wanted to show that it was 97 billion hours. Let's start talking about where each person could have won or lost more points this past season. No, let's not do that. That sounds definitely like a, like a new show <laughs> or, uh, or a pickup show. We, we should mention in dispatches before we roll back to the two topics I want to cover briefly, which is qualifying and why Mexico doesn't quite hit off. Uh, so mentioned in dispatches, a, a fantastic performance by, by Gasly. I know we have a few Gasly fans here. But basically, is it down to the Honda Power unit in this case? Uh, and the car being good, sort of a Red Bull-ish copy with, I think, more neutral is setup it? characteristics. Is it, is, I, it, I think it's, is it more of a Red Bull copy? It's it's a higher rake, um, similar. Uh, they they took oh was it Red Bull's um, redesigned front uh, as as their spend as their token spend this year I think, um, but but they they took a, a big chunk of Red Bull arrow and I think you see that benefiting them on courses like this and Gasly himself has just really really loved this car and done exceptionally well. And when you talk about Tsunoda not finishing, it is a tragedy because with today's yeah. race, they have now tied Alpine in the Constructors' Championship with that fourth place. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. And uh, we should talk about Ferrari, Brad. You know you know how much I love Ferrari. Everyone's a Ferrari fan, even if they say they're not. But some interesting politics there. I, I thought... I thought that Leclerc was their real golden boy, like untouchable, like Vettel and Sebastian. But to see them twice talking about potentially letting signs by and then letting signs by, that was somewhat of a surprise to me. That you would never have seen Vettel or Alonso being asked to let Raikkonen or um, or Massey or Massa by to go and have a go. Yeah, I think the the hierarchy in Ferrari in at the moment is much much more close. I don't think that there's a a clear number one driver oh, that they always favour. Which is which is unusual, isn't it, for yeah. Ferrari? But I have to admit, I don't know what happened in the end with this. And forgive me for not really caring about oh, no. Ferrari's midfield battles, but I have no idea whether Science went on to close down the car in front. He was no. like nine seconds behind when I when I last checked. No. I've got no idea whether they swapped them back around. I honestly did. did not see. Yeah. But uh, I know you say midfield, but this would be Ferrari taking over third place in the constructors for McLaren yeah. today with their strong performance. And you were correct. It would be, I know Leclerc uh, post-race said that they split strategies against Gasly. One went short, one went long. They pitted Leclerc first, and that was probably a bad choice because all the early pitters wound up not doing as well. 
Um, and they, they sent signs long, but they were effectively on different tire strategies at that point, but it took long enough to get signs around Leclerc. Yes. That it might well have compromised any real shot yeah. at Gasly they had. Yeah. And the interesting, the politics on the radio signs accused Charles Leclerc of slowing down deliberately to make it difficult for him to get by. And that speaks to Team Harmony. That was not a kind of team effort. It's definitely Sainz trying to establish dominance at Ferrari, which is really hard because Sainz is, I mean, he's he had a five-year deal after his first year, which is two years into, I think. So he's got another three years signed on to Ferrari. That's why I say, you know, they they really put all their eggs in his basket as kind of the new... Schumacher, Alonso, Vettel. Did you say signs or did you say Leclerc? Le- oh, sorry. Did I get that wrong? Well, I think, Leclerc, I think you oh, said signs. I thought Le- Le- was confused. Yeah, Leclerc has the very <laughs> wrong has the very long deal. I'm sorry. We're getting late into the show. What time is it? It's half past 11. It is really late. Here in the UK. <laughs> All right. Well, what, what mentioned in dispatches, do we give Norris any credit for that for that run, Brad? I know you're Norris Fossey, but he ended up getting a point. Um. I think it's really difficult to judge because overtaking here is so difficult. It's, it, it, it's really hard to judge people's performances unless something spectacular happened. I think someone couldn't be doing as well as it's really possible for them to do and just be stuck. And so I, I don't really have much of a comment on Norris other than oh. I was a little bit disappointed at McLaren's loss of points because I'm, you know, I was kind of backing them to get third. Okay. Well, in that case, let's talk about the thing that has probably been upsetting you the most this weekend. Let's talk about the track. We don't mean to be unsupportive of Mexico as a country. (laughs) And certainly the support of uh, Sergio Perez was absolutely fantastic. And just remember uh, that all the Mexicans getting behind Sergio Perez is really awesome and fantastic. All the the Dutch at Zandvoort is uh, getting behind Max Verstappen is really awesome and fantastic. British people getting behind Lewis Hamilton is biased and wrong. So as long as we remember that, that's okay. But the the Mexico Grand Prix as an event seemed to go really well. But Brad, I think I share some of your negativity about the track. Yeah, so sometimes you do get this mismatch where the event, the the atmosphere and the crowd and the everything around the, the physical circuit itself is excellent, really, really good, exactly the kind of thing you kind of want when you're when you're watching all the build-up coverage but the track itself just falls flat. And this is definitely one of those examples. Um, the circuit, whether it's partly to do with the the altitude and the fact that the downforce is compromised and that there's cooling problems and that the tires were overheating, wh- whatever the reasons, this track just doesn't lend itself to good racing. And we saw immediately how strung out the field became and how everyone just becomes kind of yeah. locked in this position where they can't really get close enough to attack. And I mean, and that's that's the that's kind of the outcome, the actual layout of the track to watch as a spectacle. Oh. I also find pretty dull. Um, it's cool having a long straight, but I just none of the corners I feel are particularly exciting. The stadium section is nice to have all the fans close, but as as part of a racetrack, it's absolutely rubbish. Before Perez closed on Lewis in the closing stages of the race, the closest battle on the field for the majority of the race was somewhere near the, the final third of the track, th- final final third of the grid, and the gap was two seconds. Yeah. Everything else was a bigger gap than that. And so when you sit there and you're watching the timing screens, like I know a lot of us do, and you're like, 
where's the battles coming from? You sat there going, well, they're kind yeah, of not. They're not there. And then yeah. there was there was there was a time early in the race where they're all stuck in a DRS train and couldn't get past it. But the problem with the track is that last section of the circuit yep. is so slow that it's like you saw on the restart, the way Max just got ahead of Lewis on that restart is what that track is like for every single corner. You can close up on somebody in that final sector, in those final two sectors and be faster where it's impossible to overtake because of the flow of the corners. But then you just can't get close enough to have a go into the DRS zone, into the braking zone of that first corner. And then you still haven't got a, got a, got a chance unless you are much, much, much faster, probably with a decent tyre deficit. And that's the problem. The middle sector is pointless. I think that last sector, the problem is exacerbated by the fact that not only do you have this very, very slow fiddly section where the car that exits that first is on the throttle significantly earlier yeah, than the car behind quicker. them, yeah. but you've also then got that, that long, fast final corner, which is dirty offline and relies on some kind of downforce being on the car in order to get on the power as hard as you want to, as early as you can. So if you're close. And if you're the following yeah. car, you, you're then compromised again. So you've got this you're on the throttle later and you've got a lack of downforce onto the straight and then the thin air at this altitude doesn't give you as good a slipstream as, as you kind of want anyway. Yeah. So you've got all these things that come together to make it just really tricky to follow closely. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just like a perfect storm, isn't it? So you've, you've got the altitude which makes the DRS less effective because there's less air to punch through anyway. So the, the flap lifting up gives you... There's less of a problem to overcome. But I think that stadium section, if you put that in Northampton on a flat course, you would get similar issues because, yeah, like you say, you you know, you have a an aero dependent final corner out of a very slow section. I see why they did that in the stadium. It is spectacular on camera. I bet it's amazing to be there, but you are guaranteeing gaps all the way down. So there's two distinct issues. One is that stadium section just creates gaps all the way through the field so you you're stopping cars attacking and even if you have a car with a delta that can attack you have this aero issue and you have a cooling issue which means if you stay too close to the car heads you end up suffering and 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 then on top of that the surface i think it seems like it's a, a low grip surface as well which maybe doesn't lend to attacking uh, and we see it year after year. I, I mean, we're being very negative here, but is there a solution, Brad? I, I don't know. Well, first of all, you can't move Mexico City to a lower altitude. Can't, we can't just so push it down the hill a bit or no. And the fact that it's it's a, a city layout, you know, there's not there's probably not many other places in the in the vicinity or not a lot they could do with the layout to make it that much better. I'm no expert on on exactly how to make a modern Formula One track great for racing i do feel like it would be nice if there was some kind of hairpin in the stadium section a little bit like one of the corners at abu dhabi that follows a long straight where we tend to see a lot of overtaking where the runoff the runoff extends under the grandstand so if someone went for a move at the end of a long straight they could you know it wouldn't they're not going to hit the grandstand but it's probably just not possible there and i appreciate they've got those fiddly slow corners so the, the fans in that area are seeing the cars for the longest possible time but but yeah, there's just nowhere where you where you think, okay, a move is about to happen now. I mean, I, I, Brad just sort of said the point that I was going to say, which is a case of that last section of circuit is purely designed for the fans' enjoyment of we've paid for these, yes. we've paid for these tickets to yeah. be in the grandstand, the best place to be. <laughs> and I'd love as to be a there. Fan, I'd love to and be there. <laughs> we want to look at it more. What they should have actually done with that quarter is had a 
fast left-hander that came in that then sweeps onto uh, the final set, the final part of the course. Okay, the guys in that grandstand wouldn't have seen the cars for very long, but it would have been a better um, uh, option for the racetrack. Yep, mechanical grip and the track says bring Peril Tata back and. I think they are pretty much correct about that. You need that fast corner onto the uh, finishing straight in order to let the cars get close. And the only other thing we can do Mm. is cross our fingers and hope that everything we've been told about the characteristics of the 2022 cars is correct. But also track layout is a thing, you know, and I think people are starting to kind of wake up to this. We've talked about Barcelona. That's the thing that comes up over and over again is that, 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 that chicane at the end of yep. the Barcelona Grand Prix s- creates gaps down the straights and, and just removes your big overtaking opportunity. So this isn't like unique to, to uh, I'm being distracted by Brad's cat. Just pour yeah, it gently out. Is, is it dinner time there, Brad? Oh, come on, go and feed him some it's, food, It's Brad. always dinner time with this particular cat. <laughs> you're, so, you're so mean. But there's a couple of other extra factors as well, which I think, you know, the Mexican Grand Prix is, is generally towards the end of the season when, uh, you know, cars have finished their development phases. Uh, often it's at a point in the, the calendar where the championship is decided, obviously not this season. And I think this race... It was exacerbated about by by the pe- the penalties. I just I don't understand. I don't understand why you just want to rip the heart out of the midfield and put the various people at the back, and it it doesn't help. On a, this is the worst track to have had as many technical penalties as this as well. So I'm not just blaming Me- Mexico. I, I, it was a great event. They put on a great event. There's so many factors working against it. I mean, the, the great penalties. I'm going to. I know you don't like them, but the fact is, if you give the teams a millimeter, they'll take a copier full of cop uh, Ferrari drawings. And it's no one likes it, but no one has come up with anything better. Well, I, I have. I've come up with give them one extra of everything. These things were decided when there was like eight races or whatever. Anyway, last thing before the podium qualifying. Uh, qualifying was really interesting. I want to talk about the Yuki Tsunoda incident. So we should say we've, we've given Valtteri Bottas a lot of heat. He bossed qualifying. He bossed Uh, He did. Went out. Yeah. He got a, he got a special Fangio helmet. I know. Thing is though, I do feel like some other drivers would have been more excited by that, but I feel like he just wanted to celebrate the qualifying and like he looked at the Fangio helmet and he didn't seem... He just seemed like, oh, okay, can I, is there not champagne at this point? I didn't get that impression. So you were saying, oh, yeah, I, I, did, I yeah. was watching him. So this is, isn't this interesting how you can read, yeah, people, it is, yeah. uh, read people's reactions differently? I was watching that thinking, wow, Bottas actually genuinely appreciates Oh, it. that's and interesting. And I'm really glad that it's him that won this and, and not Verstappen, who I thought it was likely to win, oh, okay. uh, likely to win it, because I didn't think he'd maybe appreciate it as much just because he's not, not as old. Um, but <laughs> I, I did then suddenly think, or maybe he's not quite as respectful of it as as before as I thought before when he then put it on and had the goggles on for like comedy yeah. photos. Do, do you know who should have got that? Vettel should have got that. Yes. that pole position, uh, that pole position trophy. But anyway, uh, uh, well, I've lost Matt. Steer the ship back onto the the right track. No, Brad. Well, it, no, 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 no. Brad's put his hand up. He's doing it. Uh, oh, okay, I was just going to say, yeah, Bottas did boss qualifying but oh yes that's it thank you but he just flatters to deceive doesn't he he has these flashes of brilliance where you think oh yeah yeah hang on why did they get rid of him why why is he gone and yeah. then he just shows you immediately afterwards why they why they've got rid of him but 
Um, but he did a great job. And again, to, to out-qualify in the exact same car, the statistically greatest qualifier of all time is always an impressive feat. Um, but but yeah, the Sonoda incident is, I think, what you were coming on to. Yeah, I um, think uh, we'll just let Alex get on and on the Bottas thing first. If there was a championship based on finishing positions in practice sessions and qualifying results, he would have a chance at the title. But unfortunately, none of those results are where, none of those places are where the points are decided. And everyone hypes. I think everyone wants him to do well. No one thinks no one wants Bottas to do badly. They all want him to be fighting with Lewis, especially the last previous seasons where the car's been been far ahead. But Bottas just isn't that guy. And I think they have a duty as broadcasters to hype him up um, as part of the show. I don't think any of them actually believe it though. So we we move on to the the Yuki Snowda incident, and the reason we're talking about this is because Christian Horner came out after the qualifying and said we got Snowded, which seemed odd because Valtteri Bottas did seem to boss and dominate qualifying. Lewis Hamilton just slightly behind in the first run where there was no Snowdering whatsoever, Brad. They didn't get close and it didn't look like they were really threatening in that second run either. But Horner was, and I'll admit, I am, I feel a bit upset. I think I'm, I'm a little bit defensive of Yuki Snowder because I feel like he gets a little bit of a, a rough treatment. I feel like he is uh, infantilized. A a, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I feel like he is infantilized. I feel like he doesn't get the respect he deserves. And in this instant instance, Brad, my, my take was, they put him on soft tyres in Q2 only to make him a tow machine in Q3. And the second it didn't work out, they threw him under the bus. Yeah, precisely. I don't think any of us were surprised that a Red Bull senior management person would um, would treat one of their junior drivers poorly. But this just stunk to me of not wanting to admit your own fault. As you mentioned, they weren't there in the first part of qualifying. They Whatever they say, they didn't look a shoe-in for pole in the second part of qualifying. Um, and, you know, Sonoda wasn't physically in the way when Perez got there. He was distracted by him. But all Sonoda was trying to do was just keep completely off the yeah. track out of the way. He was just trying to do everything in his power after he was told by his engineer that there were fast cars approaching to just stay out of the way. And his comment on Twitter, which was, um, there, there isn't anything could, more yeah. I could do, or I did all I yeah. could do, kind of summed it up. I'm sure he got absolutely laid into mm. by Helmut Marco afterwards. And he was told that Marco was coming to see him or something like that during the coverage afterwards. But I, I just think it's just another episode that adds to my dislike of the Red Bull senior management and Helmut Marco and Christian Horner and their toxic yeah. attitude to their drivers. So I just strongly dislike, wish they weren't about to win a championship. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. I'll distance myself slightly from that, but I, I see what you mean. I wanted to ask you from a driver point of view, how Perez, how much Perez would have been distracted by that. I feel, and you guys know that I'm a, a big Perez fan. I feel that that's his mistake following a driver off. There's a, there's a few things, and I know people hate when I talk about my, my karting and iRacing experience, but like in karting, the amount of times that I have followed a driver off track is uh it is worrying it, it speaks to my lack of racing skill uh, it does happen um but for example like in the sim racing on grand prix tracks there's a, a few examples like at laguna seca before the corkscrew 
you can deliberately take a wider line and fool the driver behind you into following you. You actually break a little bit more and make the corner. They take the normal acceleration and end up just flying off into the distance. In fact, into Lagos on sim racing, you can take a very tight line as you are offering a slipstream to the car behind you. And then as you get to the pit lane entry wall, you cut back across the track and they follow you into the wall, but you you just miss it. So I don't know, Brad, I, I think it is understandable what Perez did, but it's still his fault. So I watched this live and had a very similar reaction to Perez, which is there is dust in the distance. There's probably someone having an accident or an off in front. We're at a very high speed section of track. And in, there's there's not really anything you can do other than assume in a split second that something in front of you that you don't want to hit is out of control. Um, at the very least, maybe dragging dirt back onto the track, whatever. That isn't actually what was happening. If if Perez had been entirely blind to Sonoda and had just taken the corner normally on a qualifying yeah, lap, nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened. Yeah. There was no physical blockage. But I can entirely understand Perez being distracted and and just at a point where you're on the limit, taking evasive action. So I, I really don't blame Perez for what happened. However, not being distracted by people going slowly in front of you, but keeping out of the way is part of being a Formula One driver during qualifying. And there are lots of examples where I'm watching qualifying laps from other drivers where it's not ideal, the car that's in front of them that's keeping out of the way, but they're not on the line that, that you need to be on when you're riding on board. And so they're not actually physically impeding you. Mm. And in this situation, I don't think Sonoda really was to blame because it is up to your engineer to tell you what's coming and you know, what speed to be going and where oh. to keep out of people's way. Lots of people trying to get in. Alex, then Matt. The only... Cam- I mean, I, I, I think Sonoda was just like, okay, the faster guys are coming from the main team. I need to get out of the way. I'll just park it off the circuit. However parking it off the circuit in qualifying doesn't that bring out a yellow flag no no not necessarily this is an interesting point matt because they clarified the rules but i think this might have gone under the radar because i think they it was only discussed during practice which is that a double yellow now in qualifying invalidates the lap of anyone going past the double yellow so yep. it's no longer a case of well did they lift enough uh, did they lift enough did they not but this incident didn't bring up a yellow. And I think a driver simply choosing to go wide or to slow down does not bring up a yellow flag. So, no, there there was no yellow flag and there was not going to be a yellow flag. Uh, Sonoda had elected to leave the track and slow down. That's not a dangerous incident that the other cars need to worry about, I guess. If, if, oh. if that is correct and... Yuki choosing to go off the circuit doesn't bring out a yellow flag, then it's all on Perez. Your job as an F1 yes. driver, as being one of the best 20 drivers in the world, is to not get distracted by something by another car doing something else well away from where you currently are. Um, however, if that rule isn't correct and it would bring out a yellow, it would be on Yuki. So it does very much depend on what the rule is on that, and I'd love to find some clarity. I just want to add one thing to that, though, because although Sonoda wasn't physically on the racing line where Perez would ideally have been, you know, had he just carried on with his lap as normal, he was in the firing line. 
And and if there were suddenly barriers at the side of the track, as in something you don't want to hit at very high speed, the speed you'd carry into that particular corner may well change because you're risking a certain amount. When when you commit to a corner on a qualifying lap or any lap, you're you're taking a certain amount of risk into account. And on a track with massive runoff, you take more risk into a corner because if you do get a snap and you run wide, no harm done, really, you lose the lap, but you you don't crash into something. Where Sonoda was, as you saw from where Perez ultimately went off and nearly hit him, he was very much in the firing line for a massive accident if Perez had got that corner wrong. So again, I can't blame Perez for being distracted and aborting because you don't know, you don't have time to process. There's something different about this corner. There's an object Mm. where there isn't normally an object. The safest thing for me to do is to go straight and definitely not hit it rather than enter the corner, find I actually can't avoid this car. Maybe it comes back on the track unexpectedly and have a massive accident. So I, I don't really blame Perez as much as you guys are. It's a good point, Matt. How often have we been critical of drivers you know, not being cautious enough under these circumstances? Uh, was there an actual yellow flag ever displayed ever? No. Nope. True. Did Perez get oversteer? Yes. Is that on him? Entirely. I agree. Here's the thing. And I've been very patient. <laughs> Here's the thing. Tsunoda absolutely got warned. Uh, first, I believe it was uh, either Leclerc or Sainz, whichever Ferrari was behind him. And he stayed well out of the way. He got told Perez was four seconds back on a push lap, headed towards that corner. And he did the smartest thing he could do, which I've seen innumerable Formula One drivers do, which is simply, I'm going to pull off the track, let them get around the corner, and then I'll jump back on because I'm essentially on an in lap here because. For whatever reason, my team, and here you could blame the team if you want, team didn't give him fuel, tires, to go around and follow Gasly once Gasly was passed. They probably just fueled him just get back to the pits. So he has to drive slow or Ah, they needed the battery charge. I have no idea, but I don't know why they didn't do that. But that's not really going to be on Tsunoda. Now, is it? So he does the safest thing. He's like, oh, this is the big team coming. The last thing I want to do is get in their way. I'll just drive carefully off track they'll go by and i'll follow them and let the next fast drivers by at the next convenient point and here's the thing all of that is fine and i could even understand horner saying we got sunoda until you realize that he knew sunoda was on an in lap and was purposely trying to stay out of the way and that's the point at which i really have to say red bull I'm sorry, that was just not the right way to handle that situation. Yeah, you've half-nicked my point there, Matt, where it's a case of Perez would have known um, that Yuki was ahead of him because, first of all, he'd have seen him. Second of all, he'd have because he was getting a toe from him. Second of all, he'd have been told by his team that Yuki was on an in-lap. But also, the football term, play to the whistle, comes to mind here, which (laughs) is, if there was no yellow flag... Yeah, and there was just a car off the circuit and there's no warning and no one said to slow down. No one's given you anything. You just go for it. The worst case scenario is a couple of points on your license and your lap taken away. And a massive crash. That yeah. a, a massive crash is the worst case scenario. But he knew that Yuki was getting out of the way. I, I really don't Did- believe that he thinks that Yuki just went off and was having an incident. I'm- he would have been told that Yuki would have been... There is no way... Perez was not told that Yuki was on a slowdown lap and would eventually get out of the way. And if he wasn't, is that Tsunoda's fault? 
No, not at all. And and I think the broader point here that lots of people are making is that this is just a crappy way to throw your junior driver under the bus. I, I really, from all the arguments we've heard here, from all the what could Perez have done, what should Verstappen have done, should Verstappen and Perez have responded to a potential incident up ahead? Yes. Yes, please. Because I don't want to see big accidents. None of this is on Yuki Tsunoda. All right. Let's go to the podium. Well, wow. Wow, wow, we were. My goodness, the 2021 season is by far the greatest Formula One season that I have watched F1 with my lad. He is 11 years old and yes, he has grown up in the hybrid era. He has only known... Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton domination. A little bit young to be really involved in the politics of the Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton battle that resulted in Rosberg being good enough to nick the odd title and then disappear from Formula One. Not quite old enough really to appreciate the Ferrari challenge that never quite was, that didn't quite materialise. We've seen Red Bull showing hints of awesomeness. We've shown them seeing hints of returning to their title-winning form in previous seasons as Lewis Hamilton had, let's, let's be honest, a fairly easy ride in 2019 and 2020. We saw Red Bull starting to develop towards the end of those seasons. We saw them starting to give a fight. We said, why can't they do that from the start of a season? Well, they turned up in 2021 and they did They've been fighting hard and been better strategically. They have probably played a better team game and they've turned up with a package that is ultimately incredibly competitive. You have to go back a long way before you can look at a title running that that is this exciting because Red Bull have the upper hand. They have the points advantage in the Drivers' Championship. There's a 19-point lead. The smart money surely is on Max Verstappen closing this out. We've never seen Max Verstappen close out a championship. But we have seen Mercedes fight, and we have seen Mercedes close out seven championships. This still could go either way. I stand by my original original point earlier in the show, which is this is four cup finals. This is four relegation scraps. This is four six-pointers. Have I used enough soccer analogies yet this is the most exciting conclusion to an f1 title since since when matt since when 2008 maybe 2008 maybe maybe 2007 maybe 2012 it's up there this is one of the great championship fights in formula one i'm so excited because as negative as uh as some of my co co panelists here have been we go to brazil and it's a title-winning race. Verstappen goes and wins that race in Brazil with a Hamilton DNF. It's, it's all but done. Look at Vangini. He's disgusted by, the even, by even the thought of it. But if Hamilton goes and wins, then we go to Qatar. Qatar. Then we go to Saudi. Then we go to Abu Dhabi. So ha- every Hamilton win that comes now extends the title fight, extends the joy for anyone who's uh, neutral. If 
Verstappen lands a killer blow anytime in the next four races, we are going to see something historic. We're going to see a historic stamping of a title from a, a driver that everyone has long predicted. I've, I've been talking for a long time, Matt, but have I, have I, have I, have I like rattled off the, like I'm, I'm looking forward to these next four races. However it goes, I, I think I'm happy. Let's put it this way. Yeah, if Max wins the next race, it looks like game over. But that's only assuming Verstappen is finishing first or second. Their rear wings were falling apart at the end of P3. They were angle grinding parts back together at qualifying just to make it onto the track. I mean, the smallest thing could go wrong for either team and suddenly change everything until someone has a clear race wins margin of points. I don't think it's over. Yeah, I agree. Let's do some awards. Uh, what do we do? Uh, what's the first award we do? It's the good thing one, isn't it? Uh, the thing of the weekend. Bradley Philpott, you, uh, you're not just an amazing real world driver. You do like YouTube stuff. You do yep. streams. You do coaching. You coached me round the Nordschleife. Yeah, that was good fun, wasn't it? That it video was, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. It's up on my YouTube. Um, you can see Spanner's first proper attempt at learning the Nordschleifer, not yeah. just um, not just driving around it, but actually kind of <laughs> yeah. getting to grips with what's coming next. And you did very well. And you've even kind of got the bug a little bit for the best track in the world. I got the bug because you have an infectious coaching style. And uh, I'm going to blow some smoke up your butt. You, I, I think, I know like coaching isn't like your natural thing. You, you're, you're, you think, you know, I'm the best driver in the world that's ever existed. But when you are coaching someone around a track as a student i am i am so instantly kind of like yeah i trust brad he knows what he's talking about and honestly i just had the best time responding to your coaching and uh yeah i did i i, I loved the experience of going around that track even though there's forty-seven thousand corners i felt like i was getting to grip with to grips with it after an hour yeah you, you actually did very well and uh, if it wasn't for a couple of tiny losses of control, you'd have been getting some really, really respectable. Lessons. I never lost control. That was a lie. Uh, in that case, don't go to Brad Philpott's channel and check out uh, Brad coaching me round the Nordschleife. Also, you've got some real world racing coming up. Yes. Yeah, this week. I'm off on um, Thursday morning. I'll be heading off to Anglesey in Wales to do my, my only car race of this year. We've done lots of karting, but my only car race racing in the um, TWP team. Um, with the M4M timber products. You can see on my shirt here, sponsored Mazda <laughs> MX-5. I'm going to go and try and retain our Race of Remembrance title. It's a 12-hour oh, race. Oh, yes, of course. And you're taking Chris with you as well, Chris I Stevens. Am. Chris Stevens is going to come and be my social media man, video document weekend, and I'll, I'll publish a nicely edited video on my YouTube channel. So what was your thing of the weekend this weekend? So thing of the weekend, I, I wrote these down because I didn't want to forget them, um, and I always normally forget. It was during Brundle's Grib Walk where somebody did an impression of the bodyguard from last time who said, uh, <laughs> you can't do that. And, and Brundle kind of being slightly confused and then getting the joke. That was my thing. <laughs> of the week. Fantastic. Alex Van Jean. Alex, uh, you are also streaming stuff and uh, your sim racing streaming is, is pretty good. I like it. I like what you do. And also you have been also a, a, a sim racing coach for me in that you consistently tell me 
where I'm rubbish. You have a less positive style than Brad, I would say, where <laughs> you just tell me like, oh, you've given that up. You're an idiot. Why did you give that place up? It's more the fact of your lack of aggression yeah. in racing situations. <laughs> and then you surprised me in our map championship in practice at Brazil, where I fully expected you to yield. You didn't. And we had a crash yeah. and it was my fault because <laughs> I just expected you to yield. And you didn't. So, and, and I was proud yeah. because I feel like you're learning that you don't just let me have the corner. I learned um, it from you, you actually, dad. You did. Yeah. You did. It was, we were in the middle of the circuit. You had lots and lots of space to your right, to your left. And I wanted to force you to left. And you literally said, no, I held my ground and I smacked your circuit. Yeah. Yeah. So- but, but, but actually this is very relevant to the kind of, uh, Bottas, Verstappen, Hamilton positioning. And one of the key things that you and Brad have been teaching me about in my karting and sim racing is positioning on a track. Sometimes you will be the faster car and you're, you've got the run down the straight. Sometimes you're defending. If you're the defending car ahead, you can put yourself in the middle of the track and you go, okay, you tell me what you want. This, uh, tell me if I'm learning this lesson right. If the car goes to the inside, you go, okay, you're going to the inside. I'm also going to go to the inside and give you as little of the track as I can. And on the outside as well, I'm going to compromise you on the outside. Yeah. And, and it's, it's all about, if you don't want to lose a position and you're in a, and you're in a position where you need to fight to hold a position. Um, I said position a lot of times there um, where you need to fight. It's all about compromising the line of the other person and making it as difficult for them to turn and get on the power so that they can't get past you. Mm. It's quite simple. And going to the Mexico Grand Prix, what was your thing of the weekend? I'm going to go with the absolutely bonkers partisan crowd. I don't <laughs> think I've heard a louder crowd yeah. than them lot. They were mad and it was brilliant. Yeah. And it was so great to see such enthusiasm. Mm. They obviously really, really <laughs> missed having F1 because that's definitely the loudest they've ever been. And yeah. I, I I I know it's it's not very British, but I love the podium where they bring the car up on the podium. Love and it. They've love got that. everyone in front. Yeah. I, I think it's brilliant. We need a bit of showmanship. You know, they tried to do it in America a few years ago with the um, with the with the uh, WWE style intros for everybody, and I think they could have hammed it up and given that a heck of a lot more. But the stiff upper lip, upper lip Brits went, "Oh well, let's not." Have no, no, no. Shit. And I, I think uh, the Europeans, I think we we tend to kind of think we own Formula One, but when we go to America and and South America, etc. They show us that they have their own style, and yeah, bring a car up onto the podium for goodness' sake. Announce the drivers through fireworks. Do that. Don't be ashamed. Do not pander to British sensibilities in Formula One. I want to go to every part of the Formula One calendar and see what that country brings. Make mm, yeah, make the drivers superstars. <laughs> yes, because do that. Because if, if if we're being honest, the only real superstar in Formula One is Lewis. Max is getting there, but there's no other real superstars. The, the drivers aren't paraded as much as they should be. They aren't given their individual time in the sun in front of the global audience unless they're winning a race that they shouldn't be. And I just think we need to love on the drivers more. All right. Matt, your wife loves producing good 
romance novels where people yes. love on all sorts of people. Indeed. As far as I understand. I'm not it's much of a good. reader, so I've never read. At a Weaver writes on Twitter, and uh, we'll put the links to her books in our show notes, as we always do. Follow me at MattPT55 on Twitter. Who is your thing of the weekend? Well, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. Because if I forego the opportunity to point out Botas pole lap and fast lap, oh, and come maybe on, nobody no. brings it up. But if I'm being honest, the thing that really captivated me most was Sergio Perez's dad post race. Absolute git. That was a hundred. Oh, was that yours? Yes. And I think you know. I didn't no, know. I actually didn't. But <laughs> strangely, we have same sensibilities here. Okay, so. You've given me a good op- opportunity to launch into this. And earlier I was uh, saying that I didn't know Sergio Perez's name. I didn't know because I don't understand uh, the cultural way that uh, Mexicans do names. And uh, his name is Sergio Perez Mendoza. So, but but, but the, the middle name uh, or the, the second name apparently is the most important one. Like we would, you know, do Reddy or Trumpets as our definitely yeah. real surnames. Uh uh, obviously known as Checo as well. But, um, yeah, the, the, the relationship with uh, Sergio Perez's dad, is it only matched by Felipe Massa's dad? Is, 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 that the mo- is that the competition for most passionate dad in F1? I, I, think, I think, yeah, that, that, would be the, um, that would be the championship right there. Yeah, we will have a F1 driver dad championship. And I will also put Lewis Hamilton's dad in that same bracket as well, because I think he is also a, a hero of F1. But for years, I, I have been looked at strangely for my Perez fosiness. And people have said, like, openly gone, like, why are you a Sergio Perez fan? But uh, Matt, am I mad this season? Are we not just seeing that if nothing else, he's one of the most likable drivers in Formula One. This isn't even his final form, by the way. I, I see this progression through Formula One. I know not everyone loves him or think he's, thinks he's the best driver in the world. But when you look at the career game, when you look at the fact that he's sat there below the Mexican Grand Prix podium with his boy around, you know, around his legs... And just what an adoring family around him he has and just how just genuine he is. He's happy to play the team game. He's happy to admit he's not the fastest driver on the grid, but he tries to do his best to maximise every race. Is there a more likeable driver in Formula One? Yes. Oh, here we go. Here's some (laughs) argument. I'll go with Matt first. Anymore? No, I'm going to go with Matt first because he's agreeing with me. Matt, you first, then (laughs) Vanjie. Well, here's the thing. As an old guy, I kind of love the maturation of Perez. I don't think he was always a likable driver. Fair. But I think he has come to that with age and wisdom. And I have to respect that. You know, I mean, I think if you're talking modern drivers, there's a lot of choices. I'm kind of a Norris fan in a lot of ways. I'm very much a Sainz fan as well. Alex? People I'd rather go for a beer with before oh, going for a beer with Perez. Here we go. Lewis. <laughs> Matt, yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, actually, to be fair, I, I wouldn't mind going for a beer with Max. Um, maybe no, 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 hang on. Wait, Alex. I'm not going for a beer with Max. If, I go, if I'm going for out with Max, we're going on a private jet and we're going to like 
like, steal people's girlfriends. Yeah. Um, Lando, Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo, um, Carlos Sainz, Charles wow. Leclerc. And, and You're so, just um, naming the grid now. Come on. Basically. You've got to try harder uh, than that. I'd rather spend time with Perez than Nikita Mazepin. But yeah, and Lance yeah. Stroll, you know. Yeah. Um, but someone on my on my Twitter, Dan the Myth, the Legend, um, when I when you made a comment regarding um, Perez, this exact comment regarding Perez on um, on Twitter spanners, and he said uh, that he's he's a moderately decent guy, but is in no way spectacular. He's the Olivia Paris of the two thousands. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. Move. I agree with that. It's a really good similarity. No, I'm I don't. I, I have no ill wishes for Perez I like him but he's just there I'm so mad right now okay my thing of the weekend is Yuki Sonoda amazing team player helped his team didn't question orders did all he could in qualifying what on Yuki oh no I played the wrong bumper this bad thing award is coming up no, you missed the apex. Who missed the apex apart from me for pressing the wrong button? Alex Van Jean! Valtteri Blooming Bottas. Yeah, I agree. And there is a list of things. Turn one. I mean, well, well sorry. The straight before turn one, blatantly letting Max Verstappen pass, not being able to pass Daniel Ricciardo for 70,000 laps. And having to have two bites of the cherry to get the fastest lap on the best tyres. I mean, can you miss the apex more than what Valtteri did this weekend? I am so peed off at him. He actually (laughs) made the race dull by being poor. Uh, It certainly would have been better if he'd been able to to play more of the Mercedes game. Brad Philpott, who missed the apex for you? Okay, so I'm torn. So I'm just going to say both of them. I'm torn between... Perez celebrating a distant third place in a dominant car as if he'd just won the championship. But I won't go with that. We'll, we'll let that slide because, you know, home, home, I was going to say home winner, but nope, home third place. But I'm going to go with the fact that Lance Stroll's green helmet is the wrong shade of green and actually clashes with the car. <laughs> oh my God. It's been bugging me for a while and I really noticed it today on the grid. Wow. It's like if you're going to have, if you're going to have like a matching car helmet, color like schumacher red when he was at ferrari make it the same color as the car like not just like slightly wrong it's weird i think that's fair in our live chat by the way someone has correctly pointed out that her girlfriend is not a thing to be stolen she probably wasn't abducted against her will that is a completely correct point and uh in the live chat both brad and alex have uh and i would like to express as well that that is not the correct terminology so please forgive us for that slip up Matt, who missed the apex for you? I first need to point out that I made a massive cringe face when that was said. Oh, you're innocent. Don't worry. That's fine. So completely yeah, yeah, yeah. not me here. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised the very obvious Christian Horner and Helmut Marco throwing Tsunoda under the bus yes, has not you. yet been claimed because I'm going to claim that of all the things that went wrong this weekend, including all the pit stops that went wrong. That was a massive miscalculation on the part of Red Bull and just a surprising one, given their general deafness with uh, publicity. Fair enough. I'm going to give my missed Apex Award to the Billionaires Club because there was a period of the race where last place was some billionaire. Second last was 
another billionaire, and third from last was another billionaire. But if they had a nice Sunday drive out, then then I'm happy for them. We have one last award. No, penultimate. Have we got any pony awards, guys? Oh, Alex has. Alonso, uh, pre-race, he was moaning about curbs. He was moaning about track limits. Um, just being Fernando Alonso, considering he's the person that does nothing but abuse those particular things in races. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, he's, he's like the grumpy old man of the grid now. And I'm really, really bored of it. Not that I needed any more impetus to not like Fernando Alonso more, but uh, yeah, he, he gets my pony this weekend for just general moaning, grouchy old man. Fair enough. Any other ponies, guys? Oh, we have got a few. Brad, uh, how can we miss uh, the dumb idiot comment from oh, Verstappen yes. in qualifying? And who was that at? I think it was at Perez. I think it, Do was, you think? I think it was in, yeah, because I don't think Verstappen was close enough to know what the full situation was. I think he just saw Perez go off in front of him. And and he was saying, dumb idiot, now I don't have my toe and my lap's been ruined. And Matt, yours? Uh, well, I, I have to borrow this from the chat room, but uh, Mazepin to his engineers in qualifying about wanting yet again to overtake Schumacher when Schumacher is stuck right behind the 19 cars ahead of him going into the stadium section. Fair enough. He, and- was, he was very pony-ish, and it's not the first time. Oh, fair enough. And Matt, we have one last comment because... We have a live chat room based uh, around our community of patrons who support us at patreon.com forward slash missed apex. Our $5 patrons are join us in our Slack group and chat along and they are all eligible for... Comment of the week. Now then, I assume you have an armful of nominations. If our other panellists have some, uh, put your hand up now. Alex, you have one? Um. You'll like this one. Mike Stoner, tracks with six-letter names, starting with M and ending with O, deliver poor races. That's statistically, that that might be... Oh, Monaco is also included there in There you go. Oh, okay, I, now, now I get the joke. Fair enough. <laughs> and um, uh, Stuart Neal, Bottas is the ultimate wingman purchase from Nando's. Oh, no, come on. That's not, we have been very harsh on Bottas, to be fair. Um, Matt, comment of the week in nominations? Uh, we'll continue with, because I had both of those pegged. Thank you very much, Alex. <gasps> Alex. Planet Pum. Bono was brought up proper. If nothing good to say, say nothing. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> Harsh. Yeah, but it's fair. Yeah, but, yeah, Bono's just sat there going, oh, best not say nothing at all. Yeah, there's not, not much to be said. Um, Owato82 is in with Perez, has used the same hard tires since Austria about yeah. his tire whispering ability. Yeah, there's no proof that he has got a new allocation at all at any point. No, At no time has Perez ever asked to pit for new tires. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I had a trio from Patty, but I'm going to go with it was definitely the Botas Vista version of Botas this race. Oh, no, don't. And also, I've just installed Windows 11, so I'm very nervous about this kind of thing. Uh, we have Plotty, uh with Vader Chunks wins comment of the week with his stunning comment, Meow. Oh, look, that would be Brad's oh, cat. Look at that, Brad, for those with, of you listening Brad at with his distracting cats. And can I just please say, please follow Vader Chunks at Vader <laughs> Chunks on Instagram. Yeah, It'll make my fiance very happy. That's a, a real account. Matt, who do we think is our winner? 
Oh, ah, geez, you know, that, that's, 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 that's going to be, mm, that's going to be Watto 82. Perez has used the same hard tires since <laughs> Austria. Comment of the week. And I believe that's a new winner, Matt, isn't it? I believe a it is indeed a new winner. winner. Excellent. Thank you. Please do go and follow my panel at Alex Van Jean, at Brad Philpott, at MattPT55. If you want, you can follow me at Spanners Ready and the show at Miss Apex F1 on Twitter. We have a Facebook account. I think we've even got a, a few TikTok things going on. And of course, you can support us at Mr. Uh, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex. All the links for all of that stuff is in the show notes on your YouTube or your podcatcher of choice. We really would appreciate it if you would just share a link, mistapex.net. Share that link with your friends and tell them that when you watch a Formula One Grand Prix, you like to hang out with Mist Apex and watch the live stream or listen to the podcast. We've got some great content coming up. I've been bugging Mr. Carter for uh, for a show, and also I've been trying to catch up with Joe Sayward on his uh, tour around the Americas as well. But wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mist Apex Podcast. Fellas, we got a two-hour show out of that somehow, uh, considering you all hated it, everything. I don't know why <laughs> you ever get anxious about us Content. having things to talk about. It's it's remarkable to me. Yeah, well, even I, started a new WhatsApp group. Yeah, I did. I was like, Mexico Grand Prix. I'm like, <laughs> guys, I know you're all like distraught from the result. I know this is the most ham podcast, but somehow we've got to get it together and get some content out. I, I was like, it's, it's a race. We'll talk. It'll be good. Yeah, no, it was all right. Is everyone is everyone okay? Like, Brad, are you okay? You fine? Are you gonna get yeah, through I'm, this? I'm fine. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm fine. I'm 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 looking forward to getting to the next race and <laughs> you know and, one and of, being yeah yeah. Let's let's see if, different. And... Let's see if Hamilton can win a cup final. Just one of the four cup finals up ahead and extend it. Honestly, no. Mate, he needs to win four of the four cup finals up ahead. Stop! He's, you he, were wrong. No, he's ex- he needs to win four if Max comes second in every one. Please, please nail down your prior. So, oh yeah, I'm assuming that was my assumption that Max would finish. Yeah. Second. How many and races he, has he, Lewis won this year? Not know, many. Two or three. It not, isn't many, not, is it? No, mm. Not at all. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.